You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers put on a master class in how to lose a winnable road game in Iowa City, falling to the Hawkeyes 83-74, to an Iowa team that really isn't that good. I mean, tip your caps to them. They won the game, but this is a team that hadn't beaten anybody ranked higher than 63rd coming into this game, and Indiana was just all too happy in the second half to just gift wrap Iowa a victory with poor rebounding, turnovers, uh, and just continuously shooting themselves in the foot time after time after time, and what unfortunately has become a trend for this team, which is one that tends to play pretty well at home. Indiana played well against Ohio State. They played well against Minnesota, giving some of us confidence coming into this game, Uh, but that proved foolish as a lot of the same bugaboos that have hurt this Indiana team on the road came back to bite them again tonight. The Hoosiers fall to 12-4 and overall, 3-3 and in the conference, and we're going to break it all down for you on this late-night edition of the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with the entire crew the original crew here ryan phillips andy bottoms coach tonsoni so glad we could all get together for this joyous occasion of talking indiana basketball tonight uh but we will start the show the way that we start every show and that is with our banner moment and i'll keep it short because i know that no one's really interested in taking a whole lot of positives out of this right now but i thought you know the two most interesting developments to me tonight were number one trey galloway uh, getting in and knocking down a couple of outside shots that's you know one of the big swing skills for this program moving forward over the next couple of years. You know we've seen the impact that Trey can make. He wasn't great tonight, like everybody else. He turned it over too much, had his issues. But if he can start being a reliable three point shooter, and he hit a couple of them, that would obviously be big. And I thought we saw, uh, you know, in the first half especially, a little bit more varied offensive game from Parker Stewart. You know he had a nice drive. He took one coast to coast. If he can be a guy who can do more than just make threes, that will also help out this team offensively. But look, frankly, what we need to see from this team to feel like it's a real banner moment is one that makes plays down the stretch in a road game and doesn't shoot itself in the foot. So I'm totally right there with everybody who's not feeling like taking a whole lot of positives out of this one because it just felt like an all-too-familiar loss uh, for the Indiana Hoosiers. All right, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their fifth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call, and their first as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. As you surely know by now, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere, with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison. And if you support other college teams or have people in your life who do, Homefield probably has something for them too. Their product line extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. And they just started this really cool new uh, newsletter project. I think it's called Cherry Picking. Uh, make sure that you go subscribe to that uh, because they're going to be telling some really cool stories on that uh, as they continue to just be the good brand that we love so much. Uh, but no matter what you buy there, you know it's going to be comfortable. The colors are going to last through many washings and you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly, what could be better than that? Go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, for 15% off. Again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. 
All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on this very disappointing night of basketball for the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, where where to begin? Um, this one had all the hallmarks of a, a signature, uh, what has become a signature IU road loss. Missed free throws, turned the ball over, 14 turnovers in the second half. Combined IU's made field goals and free throws, and you get 14. Same number of turnovers against a team that is horrible defensively by really any measure. IU scored, scored 0.74 points per possession in the second half, which when you consider that they couldn't get the ball across half court a good chunk of the time isn't, I guess, all that surprising. Um, th th this is a tough one because there is plenty of blame to go around. There are a number of players who did not perform well against the pressure. Uh, I thought Woodson's insistence again in the first half to go to the five sub lineup leads to a 10-0 run that just pissed away a lead that IU had built that they then built back toward the end of the half. Um, and then, it, you know, guys are getting tired down the stretch. IU struggles to rebound early in the second half and then just got more and more tired as things went on. Race and Trace played all but three minutes of the second half when Michael Durr played. No Jordan Geronimo. No one to really be the rudder at the point guard position, whether that be Xavier or Rob, um, just baffling at times. Some of the, the combinations that were on the floor in these situations. And you, you tell me that Keegan Murray gets in foul trouble and doesn't score a whole lot of points. You'd feel pretty good about IU's chances in this game against a team like Iowa figuring that they could score. And it just seemed like whatever that was that happened before halftime really uh, emboldened Iowa and IU came out and just wilted. I mean, pretty much from the beginning of the second half, turned the ball over early, gave up about four shots on one possession. Uh, just you can change some of the faces, it seems. You can change the guy on the bench, but you're not changing the result. I think that just the softness that was shown during various parts of the second half in particular was uh, really, really disappointing. And every time you think that this team might be turning a corner, um, it seems like they take a, a bigger step back and and maybe that's being a prisoner of the moment of getting on here right after the show. But what a thoroughly disappointing performance this was. No, it's a total callback to the Penn State loss and to other losses. And right now this team is just a totally different team at home than they are on the road. Uh, Ryan, let's go to you. Plenty to rant about, so choose wisely. Uh, I'm sorry for what's going to come out of my mouth, but this is the fourth game on the road this season and the fourth time that Indiana's played like absolute dog shit. Like, I'm sorry. It, there's, there's no other way to put it. Beep. And, and here's the other thing. They come out of halftime every game flat, completely flat, no focus. No, I mean, they were flat-footed tonight on defense. That's when it happened, when they, in that one position happened where they got like four, where Iowa got like four offensive rebounds. Iowa had 16 offensive rebounds for the game, and they're undersized compared to Indiana. It was all just hustle and effort, and they just got out-toughed by a Fran McCaffrey team. Like, think about that. His teams are incredibly soft every year. They got out toughed, out hustled, and out focused. And I'm sorry. I know everybody loves Mike Woodson and he came back home and all of that. But this team not being able to put together 40 minutes is looking like a feature, not a bug. Okay. It's what it is. And, and, and especially on the road, there are, they have halves on the road that they just don't even seem focused on the game. They don't even want to be there. And it's ridiculous. This is the second, this is the, well, the Penn State game, it was pretty much all 40 minutes. They didn't look like they wanted to be there. But against Wisconsin, amazing first half, collapsed in the second half. 
great, oh, terrible first half against Syracuse, dominated the second half, and then fell apart in overtime. Like, this team is just not tough. It's not smart. Like, <clears throat> that was the thing that was supposed to change. That that stellar defense they've had was awful tonight from, from pillar to post, from beginning to end. Awful. Gave up 83 points to an Iowa team that had didn't have its best player for most of the game. Like, what is going on? I mean, the substitution patterns, everything was terrible. I'm sorry, Rob Finnessy, we all love Rob. Good kid, all that. He hasn't been able to break a press since he stepped on campus. How many minutes did he play in, in the second half against that press? Too much. I mean, I mean, one is too much because we know what's going to happen with him. And he's just turning the ball over. He's incredibly mentally soft when he gets in games where he doesn't play well. Played two games where he played really well. You can tell from the tip whether or not Rob's going to have a good game. We all texted each other in the beginning of this game like, oh, bad Rob showed up. Like, it, it was just awful. And when you do that, I mean, the fact that Woodson kept leaving him out there was almost uh, sad to watch Rob have to do that. And so, yeah, some players didn't show up. The guard play was terrible in the second half. All of that. I think everybody was bad in the second half. Don't get me started. I think everybody was bad in the second half, save maybe Parker Stewart. And, But this is also on the coaching staff. I don't know what you're doing at halftime, but why are your guys not ready to play when the second half starts? Why? What is going on in that locker room that they come out completely flat-footed and let the opposing team get back in the game every single time? And... That, that's what started. Iowa looked like the better team the entire second half, and that's sad because Iowa is not that good a team. Indiana should have won this game. After you drop the Penn State game, this is one you have to have to make up for it. Completely wilted in the second half. They're not tough. They're not bad. They don't have a basketball IQ. They're not ready to go on the road. And I'm sorry, but at this point of the season, this team should be much better than it is. Not a tournament team right now. Okay. Well, Coach, over to you. It's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? It's just it's disappointing um, because of whatever you guys all have said. Uh, the the road problems exist and 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 they're serious. And you got a lot more road games to go. And, and at some point, you need to figure it out. Uh, the the two halves, the two separate halves on the road stuff is not a recipe to win. And the the blame does go around everywhere. I think. Uh, the players really struggled, uh, but the the coach coaching staff needs to figure out some stuff, especially the sub patterns. I, I think fatigue is the name of the game tonight. I, I think the mental fatigue of changing defenses, man to man zone, uh, press, the the fatigue of being out there not having good rotations, uh, minutes um, being played. I, I just think there's a lot of stuff right now that when we lose these games. Uh, is concerning, and probably if we go back and look at the games that that we won, the Minnesota game, the second half issues that Ryan was talking about showed uh, their head, and, and you get down and you have to fight back at the end. So we're just good enough uh, right now to lose on the road. Uh, that that that's the bottom line. But you know, uh, a pass from a, a wing to a guard and it goes through your hands for a backcourt violation. I think we even had two of them. The the there there is there is something about. Um, mental toughness, ball toughness that, that good teams do uh, on the road and, and below average teams don't. And right now, Indiana on the road is a very below average ball club um, player and coach in, in the total program. I just thought, you know, the only player that I thought was a, a positive tonight was Parker Stewart. I thought he hit some good shots uh, at, at key times and everyone else had 
below average games. But you know, you look you look deeper too. You can't get Trace Jackson Davis eight shots. Um, he, <laughs> you talk about the poor guy, eighteen points on on eight shots, uh, eleven rebounds, and, and you, I think you saw it. There's a clip there about the three, maybe the one fifty seven. It was down nine, and TJD just looked totally exhausted. And he looked up at the scoreboard and said, come on, guys. And you could just see it in his eyes that he was fatigued. And there has – you know, it's catching up, too. It's it's you. Add, it's just game fatigue, but it adds up game after game after game. You you have a chance of wearing out your superstar before you get to the Big Ten tournament. Uh, so those are some concerns. Uh, you know, Indiana is, is in, in a, a position to still have a chance to make the tournament. They'll still be in our bracket because there's a lot of teams that are worse uh, resume-wise right now. Uh, but but we don't want them to be a 10 or 11 seeds where they're likely to be. They lose opportunities uh, to win these games. Uh, they should be at least 3-1 and one on these road games, and they're 0-4. And that has to the blame has to go all the way around. I mean, I just think a game like tonight is kind of a reality check. You know, we came into this season, and I think most people thought a fair expectation for this team – is make the tournament, even if you get in as a 9, 10, 11 seed, make the tournament, finish in the top half of the Big Ten. Now, we've had some performances, you know, the game against Ohio State, you know, the way Indiana played against Minnesota, and you start to think, hey, okay, if X starts to play more consistently, if we can get this from Rob, you know, if if this is what Trey Galloway is going to give us every night, maybe this team can be a little bit better. But I think games like the Penn State game, games like tonight, remind us of where this team is. And... I think it was fair to expect there to be these kinds of ups and downs with the question marks at the point guard position. And look, you know, when you go on the road, Andy, you know, who has to play the best when you go on the road? Your stars and your most experienced guys, right? Those are the ones that you rely on. Tonight for Indiana, the three players who have played the most college basketball minutes, Rob Finnessy, Xavier Johnson, and Race Thompson, they turned the ball over 13 times. I mean, you're just, you're not going to win road games, even against a team like Iowa when you do that. And so to me, the biggest thing that we learned tonight is that this team is exactly who we thought it was at the beginning of the season. And they haven't really improved a whole lot. They are where they are. And the deficiencies, you know, whatever the deficiencies are, we can argue, is this the personnel? Is this the coaching? Is it a combination of them? The truth is we have two lead guards that are just very inconsistent. And when they you know, when they roll snake eyes, when they, you know, when they both don't play well, it's going to be a real struggle for Indiana, especially when the third point guard clearly doesn't have the coach's confidence to come in even at all to break a press. And so that to me is my big takeaway is this team is exactly what we thought it was. They're probably going to win the majority of their home games. Maybe they'll be able to steal one or two on the road, but you see more performances like this and it really makes you wonder. And that to me is basically what a bubble team does. And that's kind of what I thought Indiana would be at the beginning of the season. And that's exactly what they are right now. I got to say something real quick. I didn't know who that was for, but I'm just jumping. I in said Andy like six minutes ago, and then I okay, he, he did, so. but I, okay. I could tell you wanted to jump <laughs> I in, so I didn't even give you the I didn't even give you the satisfaction of interrupting me. I just sat back and let you jump <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah. So one thing that bothers me, it shows a lack of focus, just complete lack of focus on this team. Sometimes is after a made basket by the opposing team, I would say on like at least a third to half of them, Xavier Johnson is standing there waiting for somebody to inbound the ball to him and everybody else is down the the floor and somebody stops and runs back. And it's like, you have an assignment to be the guy who inbounds the ball. 
I don't know who it is. Sometimes it's Race Thompson. I know I've noticed other guys doing it as well. But how do we not have somebody doing that every single time and knowing that that is their assignment on the floor? Like, and I'll blame the players for that too. But it's one time tonight, Xavier, because they were going to get a five second violation, had to run back and inbound it himself and had to throw it halfway up the court to Race Thompson. And it was a foul on Race Thompson to turn, you know, he was diving for the ball essentially and, and fouled a guy. Like, that happens way too much. Like this, you are a college basketball. You, that, you don't want to hear the answer because race has been the guy doing it all year long. And race was the one who, who one forgot them. to do it tonight. I've also seen cop forget to do it. And I've seen Geronimo. Yeah. I've seen, like, I mean, like it's not just it's him. Four I, spot. I agree the four spot that he's taking it out. And, and I agree. He is, he has, he has done it a number of times this year for sure. Certainly. But it's been, even when the second unit comes in, they do that. Like it's, and it's one of those things where I get that, that's on the players to some degree. Totally, you know, get it. But if it's repeatedly happening, drill it into their heads that somebody has to be there to inbound the ball. Guys, we can't play offense if nobody inbounds the ball. And it happens way too much. And it just shows like a lack of focus and basketball awareness on this team that you can jog up the floor and not even look back to see if so. Because you know what? If let's say race does run up the floor, if nobody else is looking back to see anything, they could run, you know, Parker or or cop or even TJD can just run back and grab the ball inbound it. Let's start if they're just aware of what's going on on the floor, but it happens way too much. And it's just I felt like that lack of awareness showed through the entire second half, like just the simple things like inbounding the ball, like knowing where to stand on the press break, you know, not getting ahead of the ball, the ball handler. You got to stay behind him and guys were getting ahead and then there's no angle to make the pass across to, to, to switch the floor like just stuff like that, like little stuff like that. Not throw, you know, when there's a guy uh, in behind Trace Jackson Davis, don't try and throw that sky pass to the backside when he the guy's fronting him because there's a guy behind him to take it away from him. I mean, it's simple stuff like that that I feel like just goes out the window with this team for long stretches of time. Yeah, you know, and the really odd thing, it oh, go ahead, coach. I'm just gonna say, I, I hate to even say this, but Fran McCaffrey did a good job winning the game tonight on, on the sidelines. I thought he out coached. Uh, Woodson, and, and that hurts. That hurts me. You guys know that hurts me to say you that. You know how much that but, hurts you to say. <laughs> um, but I think his technical foul changed the officiating, uh, and they shot some free throws uh, after that, even though their guys were were in foul trouble. Uh, I thought when we had a lineup of X, Rob, and Trey in, he went to his zone because there was no shooters, and that lineup stayed out too long. And then when Rob was in the game is when he went to the one two two press because Rob was struggling with the press. And obviously Indiana was not as prepared as everyone, the coaches and the players needed to be to run the press. I, I thought, and sometimes when you're a bad defensive team, you play a lot of them uh, and hoping that the team wilts against you. And so I don't think it was Iowa's defense. I think it was the changing of the defenses that put Indiana back on their heels. And that, that, that's disappointing to me for a veteran, a couple of veteran guards, a coach that's been in the NBA uh, that should be ready for that. That that's that's the things that are frustrating. You're going to lose games because sometimes the, the Murray kid got hot. But when you when you see there ha- where where were the adjustments tonight to get uh, a cop or a Stewart in at all times because you knew that the minute you took them both off the floor they were going to go zone. Uh, th- those are the things that I think maybe it's just a learning thing. Um, at this point, but that, that, those are the things, the adjustments that, that I kind of would have made, but I thought Fran did a good job tonight and that just hurts in, in, in many ways. So you can boot me off the show if you want for that comment. I probably deserve it. 
Why would we boot you off the show? Oh, for saying for, for complimenting Fran. Fran. Yeah. Coach, that was harder now, for we'll you to say it than tonight. it was for us to listen to. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think to 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 what you said, I think it starts it starts with the point guard play. There, there's no one to, and I think part of this goes back to the two of them being so opposite from one another that tonight you needed a middle ground. You needed somebody who wasn't gonna kind of turtle up when things got tough and the press got out there, but you needed somebody who wasn't gonna try to go 100 miles an hour. And that guy wasn't out there. And and to your point, Jared, when there might be some games like the Minnesota game that both those guys play well um, and things things look really good. Um, and there have been plenty of other games where one of them has played well, the other one has played poorly, and they've kind of balanced each other out and you can figure out how to mix and match them. And tonight it was just not – neither one had control of the game when they were in it from the point guard position. And then I think what you then saw was them deferring to other guys like Trey Galloway and Race Thompson who combined for nine turnovers or whatever it was where they're trying to help break the press, but it was almost because they didn't want to, um, that, you know, Rob was looking for other guys to pass the ball to. Um, and, and to Ryan's point, you have scenarios, you know, races back there handling the ball a lot. I, you know, has he made some decent decisions with the ball this year? Yes. But I, I don't know that we're at a point when he's your, you know, secondary ball handler against a, a, a press break because it really didn't have anything to do with, it's not like it's a man press where he can get a bigger guy on him and bring the ball off the floor against him. That, that had nothing to do with it. You know, he made turnovers that one at the end where Murray gets a dunk. It's exactly what you said, Ryan. There's They went back and showed it. There's no angle to make that pass. There's nobody in the center of the floor to get the ball to. It It's just like basic press break stuff they didn't seem to have. And it's not like Iowa dusted that off for this game. If you've watched any Iowa games this year, they've tried to do that. And I think they do that to... to um, you know, coach's point, they've got to, you know, junk it up a little bit, call it whatever you want because they're not that good defensively. They're trying to confuse you a little bit. And IU just never really settled in to, to what they were doing. And I, I just think it goes back to, they just, neither point guard was in control of the game when they were, they were in there. Andy, you bring up a good point. It was a zone press until they got the first little trap right there before half court. Then they manned up on the backside. So when people did attack the middle, the guys came with them. That's when you saw the ball get knocked. Uh, Race got it knocked out. Miller got it knocked out. So it, it was a zone look. And then when Rob started to dribble or someone started to dribble and drew two, they kind of, we call it cutting the return pass. Uh, and and our, our return you know, receiver needs to be back deeper and wasn't. So that's an alignment issue, but boy, they cut that side to side pass and then they locked up man to man and there was no one to pass it to, uh, until they figured out late that you had to, you know, throw over the top early, uh, flood the side. So it was, it was an execution night tonight, fellas. It just, the players didn't execute and I don't think the coaches execute and you do that on the road and you're going to get beat. Well said. All right, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's disappointing loss to Iowa, we'll talk about tonight's meaningful moments you might have missed. And we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from this game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. 
It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Lily King. I hope you enjoy the show, but ask yourself, do we really need this much basketball talk for a swimming and diving school? Where do you think the candy stripes came from anyway? Go Hoosiers! Lily speaks the truth. She really, she really does. Uh, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, Andy Bottoms, and the coach Brian Tonsoni breaking down Indiana's loss to Iowa tonight. And gentlemen, it is time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. Meaningful moments that you might have missed. Thank you to everybody who called me out after the last time I hosted and forgot to play Bob Thompson's awesome music. I'm not going to make that mistake again. Um, I want to use uh, a meaningful moment uh, to really talk about a larger issue. And so I'm going to go back to the second half. And there was a, a stretch. You know, Xavier Johnson obviously you know had a lot of turnovers, but he had this really quick stretch with two in quick succession that really killed Indiana and gave a lot of momentum to Iowa. You know, one, Trace Jackson Davis had his guy sealed. And for some reason, you know, X is usually when there's the man's got an advantage, he usually fires it in there. He waited and waited and waited. And then the defense collapsed on Trace. And by the time X actually threw it to him, there was no angle anymore. And he continued a really frustrating habit to me, which is guys just standing there waiting I guess, for a post angle to just open up instead of taking one or two dribbles to the side and trying to create an angle. I don't understand why we don't do that more, but a lot of times we don't. And then on the very next possession, we had a little run out and he threw a pass like 100 miles an hour at Trey Galloway that went out of bounds. And I think they actually called that turnover or they counted that against Trey instead of X. Um, But it was just, it was indicative of the point guard problems that we've been talking about. But here's the thing I think that we need to remember. And Ryan, I'll go to you with this first. You know, we're learning about Mike Woodson. And I think as frustrated as we are about these road losses, you know, we, we have to be patient. You know, this is a new coach coaching. Look, for a long time with, with Archie Miller, we talked a lot about we got to be patient. You know, you got to let a guy install his system, do his things, get used to players that he didn't recruit, get his own guys in there. Now, maybe we don't need to be as patient as we were with Archie Miller, but we certainly have to give a guy more than 16 games before we're ready to make judgments. But one of the things that I think we're learning about Mike Woodson is his natural inclination as a coach is to trust his point guards. And so if he does not get a good point guard, he is not going to succeed at Indiana. Well, he has recruited Jalen hood Shafino for next year and also has Gabe Cups and Ja'Kai Newton coming in. And Jalen hood Shafino profiles to be the exact guy Andy was talking about. We needed a middle ground tonight. Now, I don't want to put a lot of hopes on a high school guy because we don't know what's going to actually happen when he gets in. But the point that I'm making here is, you know, right now we're seeing a coach in some ways kind of 
struggle to fight against his own roster, which is two point guards that are just very inconsistent. And it's tough to trust them because you don't know what you're going to get from night to night. If he recruits that guy to come in, now I think a lot of the pieces will fall into place that we've been looking for. Point being, you know, let's make judgments about how Mike Woodson is doing with this particular team and this particular set of personnel. And there are lots of reasons to be frustrated, but let's keep the larger picture in mind before we start jumping ship and making judgments after some of these frustrating losses. That's my Of point. course, here's the thing. If people want to hear our views on the overarching, you know, momentum of the program and all of that, tune into the usual Thursday night show where we talk bigger topics. If you want to hear... We don't have talk, one of those for several weeks. I know. So I want to make sure I, that we I get it. <laughs> give some perspective. No, no, no. You're you're fine to, to make that point. But I, you know, I've been... I, I ripped sort of like how he's coached on the road. <clears throat> and, and I got a lot of pushback from people like, well, he's only four games in. I'm like, yeah, I'm analyzing this team and this season. It hasn't been good. Do I think that Mike Woodson will never figure this out or that he should be fired because they are 0-4 on the road so far? No, but this was a piss poor performance. And and some of that falls at the feet of the coach, especially when the same things keep happening repeatedly. Yes, there is blame to go around to the players, but we don't absolve the coach when the team doesn't play well. And yes. when some certain moves aren't made and certain substitutions aren't made and certain decisions are made, you don't absolve the coach just because it's his first year. This is the first time he's coached in college basketball. I'm going to point out the things he's struggling with. Hopefully, he's got people around him who also point these things out, or he's just a loyal listener, and he can fix those. And 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 so, you know, when we God, make <laughs> when we make criticisms of the coach, though, right? I'm, I, no one's arguing that point. I'm not it's arguing fair with you. I'm, arguing I'm just with saying, but let's look at the things Indiana is doing offensively because I think there are some things that we can learn. And I think the profile of a some some coaches need a good point guard more than others. We know that they're important. Yes, but I think course. that's what we're learning about Mike Woodson. His willingness is a perfect example. His willingness to, to have trust a great his perfect. point guard. Yes, it it makes it necessary. He's got to have a yeah. difference maker at that position. Um, so here, here's the thing, and and I think that a lot of people are saying, "Oh, just wait till next year. We'll get Jalen Huchifino, and it'll all be okay." It's like he's really good, but he's going to be a freshman, guys. Like it's mm -hmm. not just going to be overnight. Be he's going to be an all big 10 guy as a freshman. Like that's not how this is going to work. He's a very good player and he's going to be very steady and not make a lot of mistakes. I mean, theoretically, you know, it's, we'll see how he transfers to, you know, to the big 10, but it's not just going to be a snapped fingers overnight. All of a sudden our point guard play woes are gone. I mean, so it's, it's also on the staff to develop these guys. And, and look, Mike Woodson's been around for a while. You know, he's, he's been, it's almost a year. It's not quite, but he's, he's a few months short of a year. He had him in the Bahamas. He had him all summer. He had him in the fall. So, it, you know, and some of the guys have gotten better. There's no question that some of these guys have gotten better. But it's it's sort of you have to, at this point, be like, look, and people are saying, well, it's only, you know, 14 games. We're in the middle of the Big Ten season. We know what this team is right now. And they're, they're inconsistent. But this is a team that plays very well at home in some games and plays terribly on the road and cannot show up for 40 minutes on the road. If that's continually happening, you got to change something. I don't care what it is, but you got to change something. If your team is consistently coming out of halftime, completely flat, flat-footed, getting crushed on defense, not doing anything on offense, and everybody's standing around. And tonight, if Parker Stewart hadn't hit that three in the corner, if that rims out, that Iowa run probably extends to 15 points because they had nothing going. And he yeah. hits that three, and it sort of calmed everybody down and refocused everybody. If that three rims out, who knows what happens? This game might have been over ten minutes with ten minutes left. Um, 
So that's that's a problem, and it's worth noting that that's a problem and needs to be fixed because Indiana needs to make the tournament this year. I'm sorry. They need to make the tournament this year for recruiting and for a whole bunch of other reasons. You have to show your program is moving forward and there's momentum, and the new guy is the reason. You got to be able to sell that to people. Hey, Mike Woodson came in. Look, hadn't made the tournament in a while. We made the tournament. We're starting to make noise in the Big Ten. We're going to only get better from here. You miss the tournament again, people are going to start saying, well, did they even get the right guy? Those are going to be legitimate questions, and high school prospects and their coaches and AAU coaches and everything are going to be like, we don't know yet. So they're not going to com- they're not going to advise their kids to commit to Indiana. I mean, it's it it's very simple. A lot of it is advertising, and if you make the tournament, you can advertise that. And so Indiana needs to figure this out because while we can say, oh, it's just the first season and he's building something. They need to put a win on the board this season. No, but they still have to make the tournament. I don't. I haven't heard anybody agreed, say agreed. that it would be acceptable to not make. But the I'm tournament. saying, but but when we're talking about the bugs in this team, it's not like well, it's the first year. It's like no, no, no. They need to fix these because if they don't, they're not going to make the tournament. Yes. So a couple let's talk things. About- a, a couple things, uh, Jared. I'm going to agree with you and then disagree with you. One, you're right about needing a good point guard, but I think every coach needs a good point guard. I mean, I don't think you can play basketball without a good point guard. You can't win consistently at any level without without a good a point guard. And and to to support Ryan, uh, the name of the game is winning. Whether you're a first year coach or you're not, it's winning. There are reasons why programs are built, and re- this wasn't a rebuild. When you get to pick from the transfer portal, uh, your team that's totally different than the last guy who came in here who who could not recruit because we had 16 scholarship guys. That's just you can't even compare that. Uh, he's got a huge, huge head start. And the Thank bottom you. line is, you you're welcome. Uh, it, the 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 thing is that you got to find a way to deal with who you have uh, and find a way 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 to win. And the thing that's frustrating is you look at there's a lot of coaches who have not been head coaches at any level. They've been assistants uh, that have gone to Iowa State or that he's had it pro experience, but the um the guy from Gonzaga who took over Arizona. There are a lot of first-year coaches who are doing a lot better job with lesser returning players. That's just the truth. Um and the road issues are 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 part of part of that problem. So, Andy, let's talk about you know another meaningful moment, and certainly no one missed this in the first half, which is when you know Indiana had built that twenty three to sixteen lead, and then they went with the all sub lineup, which continues to be infuriating because it's a lineup that just doesn't have an offensive rudder. You know, a lot of times you have a guy like Tamar Bates who you know, the offense goes for like 20 seconds and then he's kind of left to just go create something. And yeah, he needs to be more patient and not force so many shots. And at the same time, if he's not doing it, who else is going to do it? Cause just nothing happens offensively with that lineup. And they quickly go on a 10 0 run. Now, Mike Woodson, you know, fixed it, put trace in and we kind of regrouped. It became a 12 0 run. <laughs> well, yeah, but then, you know, in the second half that he changed that, you know, now it didn't, <laughs> didn't make any difference because it didn't matter who was playing in the second half. But I guess my question to you is, you know, what what needs to happen? And I think the answer is probably just simply stagger your subs, dude. You know, like, let's not do this lineup, this, you know, the full scale, you know, first five, second five thing. I think there's some compelling data to suggest that Parker Stewart and Miller Cop shouldn't play together quite so much because those lineups haven't performed well. And you could argue that that second unit if you're committed to doing that, you better at least have a shooter or a shot maker in there. So 
personally, I would like to see just a more traditional sub pattern. But if Woodson is committed to doing this first five, second five, he's got to give the second five a chance with some guys who can make shots and are proven offensive players. But the way that we're doing it now, it's like you're just waiting in the first half, you know, for kind of this bad stretch. And that's where I don't put that as much on the players because I think those five guys are not put in a position to succeed because of the lineup that they're out there with. That's something that seems like a fix that could, that's a lever I think that Indiana could pull that long-term would have some pretty big impact, especially on the road. Yeah, I think it, it, you you said what I was going to say. I mean, it, it goes back to what Coach was just saying about how you get the most out of your players and the talent that you have. It, it, you, you can't change what some of these guys can't do at this point, but you can help put them in a position to succeed. And we've talked about this for a number of these shows. You're not helping any of these guys out by putting them out there with one another. You have limited shooting and limited spacing in that. You you know, Galloway really is counted on to be more of the driver in that scenario than the point guard. Um, you have guys that are turnover prone. You, you just I mean, the five possession sequence when that when those guys were in, uh Tamar goes gets blocked. Geronimo then throws a turnover. I think that was the one on the inbounds play. Yes. Next, Galloway, turnover. Geronimo, turnover. Tamar Bates misses a three. It was a bad one, too. Not, not close. Rob, turnover. I mean, the next time they scored was the next possession when Galloway hit that runner that almost scraped the top of the building um, before it went in I, I, to score. But like, And it was a desperation runner, too. It yeah, felt like it, nothing was going. He just drove in and threw it. Oh. Yeah, you, you just... I don't understand. And then, you know, Woodson after the game, I and mean, we can, you know on putting a second unit in. They needed a blow. I can't play our starties 40 minutes a game. No one no one is advocating <laughs> to not sub the entire frigging game. Although I would point out the women's team, I believe once tonight only played six players. But no one is advocating. That's because they're tougher than we are. No, no one is advocating yeah, that you don't true. play the bench guys. All everyone is asking is don't play them all together. You're well, and- not making them successful. Then it snowballs on itself. They come into the game just like all of us sitting back saying, well, crap, here we go again. What's going to happen? When does the first thing go wrong? Like, if you think these guys don't notice what happens when they're coming in the game and that adds pressure and we can say they need to be mentally tougher and all that stuff, that just snowballs. It's not You're setting it's them up not to fail. helping itself. It's no different than, I forget which one of you said, um, you know, they, they go play zone and then Stewart and Cop are both sitting on the bench for a long stretch. You're not putting the players on the floor or the team as a whole in a position to be successful when you're not able to make those adjustments. And that is frustrating because for as much as I think we can give Woodson a little bit of leeway, given how far it is into the tenure, it is not we're not breaking new analytical ground here and saying that this is not working. No. And there is zero adjustment to that. In a key situation, there's zero adjustment. You had a chance to put your foot on their throat. You're up 10. I forget when the Murray second foul was within that in that time period. And you let him off the what Dennis Green, you let him off the hook. And you and you and you they come back and get in the game. And and by the time you get to halftime, even though IU had built it back up to seven at one point, if you're Iowa, you're feeling pretty damn good going down seven. Your best player didn't play a ton. You played terrible defense. And you ended up only being down seven points at the half. And then they just came out for blood in the second half from the from the jump. X gets kind of knocked over by half court, probably a foul. I think Joel on Twitter said, you know, I look for the refs to clean this up after what happened at halftime. They went, they they swung that pendulum in the opposite direction. 
it was a street fight at the beginning of the half and IU wanted no part of it. Um, and then things, things snowballed from there, but yeah, the substitution thing, I mean, we can sit and it's easy to sit here and say, Oh, do this. Don't do this, whatever. And, and I appreciate a couple of folks in the chat kind of asking like, what would you do different? Like tangibly, what would you do differently? Um, I think the sub thing is I have ideas. like just hit you over the head. Obvious, it feels like, but I. I uh, but apparently, why, it's not. Like, Andy, look at the number of minutes from Iowa, and do we ever remember a wholesale change for Iowa? We, we're not no. watching them like we're watching Indiana, but they played no. eight guys max. Nobody played more than twenty nine minutes, and they had what? They had eight, eight guys, guys over twenty, and another guy yeah. with eleven. No, so yeah, somebody they, was they were bringing in yeah. one, two at a time, and, they and here's subbed, a, like I'm and sorry, rested their guys. But they you didn't know, do it five at a time. That's just an NBA thing that he's used to, that he is holding on to right now. That, and, and some coaches say this: at this minute you're going in, at this minute you're going in for role definition and people knowing and getting ready to go play. But if it's not working, you and then it what it takes away from you is subbing uh, for scheme. And like tonight with the zone, we left those guys in that couldn't couldn't hit. Now Galloway did hit a couple, but that's a time to break your sub pattern plan. Um, to to try to mix it up to get some get the play to be right, and I don't see that happening. Well, then I think the challenge becomes then some of these guys don't play well in that scenario, and then you don't see them again. Yeah. So Geronimo doesn't play a minute in the second half, and I'm not here. I mean, he hit a three, but made some turnovers, tried to make some effort plays, got lost on defense yeah. much. I'm not saying he played great, but you can't get a few minutes out of him, few energy minutes. You know, Bates doesn't play well. Not saying that he played well. But he hardly plays at all in the second half. And that's where it gets difficult. And, you know, Race and Trace play 18 and 17 minutes in the second half. And you give Durr three minutes here and there. But I, I just – that's the part that – I didn't think Durr looked looked terrible either. No, you know, he gets, I thought he was he gets three minutes. Durr did I, I a good just, job. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, you do this, they play bad. Then you say, well, I couldn't play them in the second half because they didn't play well in the first half. Well, they didn't play well in the first half because they're in a terrible lineup. And then you get fatigued. And then you yeah, can see guys who are 100% yep, gassed and can't get rebounds. And there was a play toward the end. Trace gets a great offensive rebound, comes up short on a shot three feet from the basket. And he's, you know, struggling. People can say, oh, get be in better condition, whatever. I, I don't I don't know if that's fair at but this Coach level even the says of the game and everything else. It just it's just it's just a domino effect that sets everything up to fail. Um, and it isn't the only reason they lost the game, you know, taking care of the ball every once in a while would have been a you know welcome change to the, to the mix, but it, it just sets them off on a bad trajectory in the first half, sets you up to make lineup decisions in the second half based on how they played in the first half. And then there you go. Do you think tomorrow might be a little bit better if race he's in with race and TD and then double teaming and now you can kick out for just a step in three yep. instead of having to create you used to he can be the fifth period. option offensively. You know, he can settle and, in and then Dirk can come in with you. You got Parker and, and cop when yeah. they're shooting and you could open up some post play because now they're not going to double team Dirk because they're locking up on your shooters and Dirk can score six or eight maybe on turnarounds in four minutes or five minutes. You've got to strategize your subs, in, in my opinion, as opposed to just uh, the five-man sub stuff. And then if you don't play well, those five guys don't – it's just it's happening let, over and over. Why not let Geronimo play with TJD more to spread the floor a bit because he can step out. And he hit that play, three. Yeah, you can play race and, and dirt together for a little bit to steal time for TJD. Like Let Cop kind of, be the shot maker on the second unit. He'll get more you. opportunities than he's no, getting in the first unit. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's pretty. There's pretty obvious stuff you could do. I mean, we're not sitting here saying we're better coaches than Mike Woodson, but at this point, 
try something because whatever you're doing isn't working with that second unit. It clearly you're is losing to inferior teams on the road and you're losing opportunities to build your resume. At some point it has to change. Yeah, and and look, the second unit it feels like doesn't get going unless Rob Finnessy hits four threes or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it, like they don't get much out of them. Trey Galloway, but Galloway did a lot of his damage in the game where he broke out against Ohio State when he was playing with the starters. You yeah. know, I mean he he, ha- he showed some energy to that second unit, but he did a lot of his damage when he was playing with the starters. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it it seems like we're not saying anything revolutionary here. It's stagger your subs like every other college coach does. Um, I mean, we're saying yeah. stuff that the eye test and the numbers both back up. That's why it's yes. frustrating, you know? So, you know, we'll see if they change it. Hopefully they do. Um, let's talk numbers. Um, this segment sponsored by the power rank. Our friend Ed uses data and analytics to make accurate football and college basketball predictions. He also writes an incredible March Madness guide every year, which we'll have a special offer for you on once March rolls around. And by the way, he's got uh, an NFL playoff um, like set of picks that he does. Analytics, the picks, he emails it out. Uh, I sent that via email today to everybody. I also tweeted it out. I'll tweet it again. So if you want that, I don't know the link off the top of my head, but you can go buy it and get all the all his picks for the NFL playoffs um, if you want that stuff. It's all great stuff. Ed does really good work. Um, but go to thepowerrank.com slash AC at a minimum and subscribe to his newsletter. That's thepowerrank.com slash AC uh, and make sure you're getting his stuff. All right, let's dissect, uh, guys, the numbers that tell the story of this game. I, I, you know, looking at turnovers, rebounds, like I think some of the numbers are kind of obvious. One number that I want to point out that kind of goes with what we just talked about is a big fat zero for Anthony Leal. And look, you know, a couple Anthony Leal now, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and Anthony Leal has had his ups and downs. But on a night like tonight, when things aren't working, you know, here's the reality for Anthony Leal. Two of his best games last year came against Iowa. You recall in the game at Iowa last year, he actually had, you know, he played uh, 14 minutes in that game, had five points, knocked down a three-pointer. He's had success against them. And I think, you know, as athletes, when you're in a venue against a team that you've had success against, a lot of times you come in with confidence. I kind of would have liked to see him get a little bit of run in the second half when everybody else was struggling. Because one thing he's shown is, you know, he's not going to make a lot of the big mistakes that we saw tonight from some other guys. Would it have changed anything? I don't know. But it just seems like, you know, he hasn't played in three games. And, it you know, tonight seemed like Especially a game guys where he might have been able to pay well. some dividends. Um, so anyway, um, Andy, numbers-wise, I mean, the points off turnovers is the big one. The total turnovers and just the horrid rebounding numbers. I mean, that's the story of the game uh, right there. But anything else popping out to you that's worth talking about? Uh, you know what's I don't know if this is interesting I mean what's what's demoralizing I mean the numbers that you said are the big ones you have 34 points off the turnovers 46 bench points for Iowa which is you know 29 of those are, are Murray um, 17 fast break points uh, 15 steals for Iowa 16 second chance Jeez. points and 16 offensive rebounds just any of the the kind of hustle numbers totally swung things because if you step back and look at Iowa's shooting numbers outside of the free throw line where they shot 84%, um, a cool 22% higher than what IU shot from there. I mean, they're 33% from three. I think they only hit one three in the second half. They only took they only took six um, in the second half, and and only 44% from the floor as a whole. Like, it, it wasn't necessarily that they were shooting the ball that well. I thought they made some tough shots at times, um, you know, late shot clock situations and things like that, but... It was really just getting outworked and giving up tons of easy baskets off of turnovers and 
uh, and things like that. And then, you know, from my use perspective, you know, in the in the bonus early in the second half and just completely failed to take advantage of it. Five of 11 from the line in the second half. Um, but but ultimately just didn't get enough shots um, in the this in was the a John Gasway of all the turnovers. The John Gasway always talks about shot volume. You know, you've got to find the formula for shot volume. So if you're not going to get a lot of offensive rebounds, you better not turn it over. You know, that formula has to work. And I saw Mike uh, Schumann from the Daily Hoosier tweeted out, because of offensive rebounds and turnovers, Iowa got 12 more field goal attempts in the second half than Indiana. 12 more in 20 yeah, minutes of basketball. 34 compared to 22 is is crazy. And then they were 13 of 14 from the line. So even when they, so even though they shot poorly, rebounded a bunch of their misses, got to the line a ton, and they turned the ball over four times in the second half. Uh, a number for me, uh, Bohannon, you hold them to one of seven from three, and Keegan Murray only has 12 points, and you lose to Iowa. Like, you got exactly what, if you had told me those numbers, and you you mentioned, you know, if, if Keegan Murray doesn't score that much and whatever, you'd think you win. If you told me those two statistics, I'd have been like, I, you won by 15. Like, you know, that, that that's a 15-point win. Um, but the thing is, is that if guys aren't playing well on the other team, Indiana just gave them the game by the way they played. I mean, it's, it's, you think about it, Iowa did not play that well. They were opportunistic, but they didn't play that well. And their stars did not play that well. Indiana had to play really bad for this to result the way it did. And that's I mean, what it felt like all second half, Indiana was just trying to give it to him, trying to give it to him. And I was like, eh. Don't, not quite sure if I want to take it yet. And we just kept giving it to him. Yep. You know, I mean, that that really is the story. I mean, this was I will blew a- I will blew Indiana out in the second half, shot 41% from the field and 16% from the from three-point range. And blew Indiana out in the second half. That's all you need to know. Eleven offensive rebounds. Coach in the second half alone. What numbers yep. jump out? Any numbers for you that you want to mention? Four. Four losses on the road, road that losses. you shouldn't have. Um, it, our post players are our best players, and, and I don't think they played necessarily hard. I thought race. This is one of race's toughest um, performances. Was bad. Yeah, um, but you got a guy Murray has a career high twenty nine, but he got eighteen shots. I'll go back eighteen shots for you know, the guy off the bench career night, and, and somehow Trace Jackson Davis only gets eight. Um, I, I thought his energy was a little low um, tonight, and, and we've talked about it. It's so it's tough when you play 31 games and and you're carrying the piano on the back uh, for the program uh, to have that. But the the other thing, and we've just talked it, we just got done talking about it. But ten, the 10 run gave life to Iowa, um, and water everybody that. contributes to that. Players contributed to that, but the coaching decision for the five subs. When you give people um, life after, you know, you're up seven and, and you took the energy out of the building, of, and I got a picture from someone there, sent it to me. It was only half full, so it wasn't a crazy atmosphere. It, 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 th- those things keep teams in it, and then they hit shots, and then you get a career night from a guy, and you can't recover. Um, the other thing is, the, let's watch the second half starts. Um the Ryan Ryan's mentioned that earlier and, and he's spot on, but it, it's tied to X turning the ball over early or or taking shots early. In Minnesota, he was 0 for 4 and had a turnover or two and then had to be taken out. Uh and then tonight again, so it's a couple of games in a row that X has come out in the second half 
And just like a run for another team can give life, a, a bad run can suck the life out of you. And I think those two runs really set Indiana back on their heels. And right now, we're just not mentally tough to take those hits. We're at home and the crowd's going crazy. We can take a hit and bounce back on the road. We just don't have the juice. Um, so th those two numbers, those two uh, runs uh, seem to stick out to me. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I was looking back and and what I've been tracking the possessions and stuff in. I mean, you're 100% right about Minnesota. You know, this one, first play, second half turnover, second, second possession turnover, third IU scored, got the ball to TJD inside. The fourth, he had a wild drive. IU ends up getting the ball and offensive rebound, and then he just goes and turns it over right after that anyway. And so at the same time, you allow Iowa to score on their first four offensive possessions, two of which came on offensive rebounds uh, or multiple offensive rebounds, as the case was in the one of them. And right there, your halftime lead is completely gone. It's a one-point game. You've, you've let them back in it again, and, and it's kind of done. And I think that's the part where – I think he did take X out pretty early, but it, it but Rob wasn't playing well either. Um, whereas Minnesota, Rob could come in early in the second half and have a ton of confidence based on yep. the way he played in the first half. Tonight was the opposite. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a 10-0 run in, the, in, in that middle, and it was an 8-2 run to start the second half. And, and the, those are and Indiana had their runs too, so it's a game of runs. But I think some of that could have been controlled um, a, a little bit differently. Yep. All right. Let's keep this rolling here. Coming up on the assembly call, we're going to hand out our game balls and Hoosier Hustle Award. Uh, and then we'll talk about some lingering questions as we look forward to a big road game against Nebraska. And then obviously the big game against Purdue after that. That's all next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, this is Deron Davis. And what's the only thing better than dominating a Duke big man in the post? It's celebrated with friends afterwards. Join Gerard, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Hall call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers! 
Thank you, Duran. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Almost 10,000 of your fellow IU fans are subscribed. You can join for free at join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, Andy Bottoms, and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Really wishing we had a better performance to break down with all four of us here, but this is uh, this is what we got. Uh, so this is what we'll discuss. Uh, gentlemen, it's time for game balls. Um, not a lot of options here. Game ball is always not- so much less fun than <laughs> when we lose. I, uh, I'll go. I'll go first. Just to somebody's got to pick somebody. Um, I, yeah. I'll say Parker Stewart. I thought a lot of his shots were very timely in the game. I think Coach Johnny had tweeted that out a, a couple times, just about how he hit some threes at big moments. Had even a couple nice drives to the basket. Um, wasn't able to finish at least one of them with the with the free throw. But um, and and I thought to start the game was a good part of that. They put him in some pick and roll actions, and he. Uh, was able to make some nice passes, passes to race. So yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll say Parker for tonight. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, second that. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe we can use this to, you know, numbers. I mean, coach, you talk about the shot attempts for trace, only eight, only seven for Parker Stewart, you know, and, when and he and was here, hitting in a row too. Well, and here's the thing, like wh- what exactly were we running at the end of the game? You know, Trey Galloway hits that three. We get a stop. It's a six point game with like 90 seconds left. And we have that possession where we're just tossing the ball around the perimeter and Parker ends up just kind of doing like a half-hearted drive and he lost the ball and he fouled the guy. But I couldn't for the life of me understand what kind of shot we were trying to get. Like it wasn't any type of concerted action to get an open three-pointer. It was just let's pass the ball around, I guess, hopefully go inside out and find it. Just I didn't get that. Yeah, and some, no, of the, some, of the, some of the actions no that we ran in the first half looked really situation. good and we didn't see him again in the second half. So no, I like Parker is not a guy and, and 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 there was a and right before that, you know, Parker had gotten the ball knocked out from behind on the same possession earlier in the possession. It went out of bounds and they put it back in. It's like that's what Iowa wants is for him to put the ball on the floor. So why are we like, hanging him, him out to dry basically and like, well, giving him the ball like that's not what. Yeah, it just seemed. You it know, is. The, um, the, go ahead, coach. I'm I'm sorry. It's just interesting the lack of sets that are are run at times, yep. especially for shooters. And, and there's got to be a reason, you know, um, that that they're trying to do, you know, some drive penetration, or they just want to feed the post and and cut and get kickouts. And and it's the game of basketball is a dribble drive spacing game. Uh, but there's still need for sets and, and a flare screen, uh, something. Especially to try when you to get need a, a basket. You know? Yeah, when you need a three or something that you know what happened was they locked down on on the three point shooters and and were switching, so it's hard to get off a three without any flares or pin screens or diagonal screens or whatever. It might be hard to do that even with screens, and then you had no choice but to try to drive it um, late. So um, there there just seems to be a lot of times uh, a dependency on the dribble drive, the ball screen, and, and the post up game is is the offensive philosophy right now. And that's been trusted by the coaching staff. And at times it works and at times it doesn't. I would say the other thing with Parker, I mean, I want to see Indiana do more stuff to get him shots. I would like to see him be a little bit more aggressive with shooting it. Like I feel like at times he passes up decent looks and we never get as good of a look as it would have been. 
And look, you know, when you're a shooter, you want to be comfortable. You want to be in rhythm when you get it. And so, you know, it's sometimes hard to question when a guy passes up a shot. But I feel like there are opportunities for him to have a little quicker trigger and maybe force a shot, like force it a little bit more. He's a good enough shooter. He's Copy a shot maker. Once. I'd like to see him do a little bit more of that because um, we sometimes never come back around to getting as good a shot as he would have had. Yeah, I want to mention something. Uh, I, I agree. Parker Stewart's the game ball, 100%. I do want to mention that even in a bad game, Trace Jackson Davis continues to put up ridiculous numbers. I mean, he only shot yes. the ball eight times and had 18 points, had 11 rebounds, two assists, only two turnovers. Considering how bad everything went, he only had two turnovers. One of them was a really bad cross-court pass that we've talked about how he needs to stop doing that with the one-handed pass. Uh, but he also had five blocks. Um, so he continues to just destroy on that end with the blocks. But his defense wasn't... <clears throat> as good as it has been, but he did have the five blocks. I mean, I just, it's worth noting while it wasn't his best game, he's still putting up ridiculous numbers. He did. Well, and the pass he had in the first half to Miller cop, that cross court pass was great. Now he tried it again in the second half to Parker Stewart and it got stolen. Um, But he's showing better passing uh, this year. You do make a good point. Sometimes you get a crooked number in the block category and it can make you think that you played good defense. I didn't think he was that good defensively. Blocks and, and steals are not indicative of good defense. No, and, and one of the things, look, you know, one of the things that's been really helpful is, you know, he doesn't foul much. And that's good because it keeps him on the court. But there are also times where sometimes, especially if a guy is driving against him, he's so passive and doesn't use his body to cut off a drive, in part, I think, because he's trying to avoid a foul and because he's trying to time a block. But the guy can get in there and get on the block on him. And by that point, you know, there's nothing else he can do. So I feel like he could probably stand to be a touch more physical as a defender. He's got some wiggle room with the fouls. And again, and we were kind of worried about him falling in love with the blocks. They're great. And, you know, his defensive improvement overall has been much better. But as we look for improvements at the margin, I think defensively that would help him as well. He, I don't know what you guys thought, but I thought he looked tired in stretches tonight too defensively particularly and i think that bled on remarkably the rest of the tired yeah well i mean I also, look yeah. he's played a lot of minutes this year we've talked about it numerous times in games that turning going forward yeah he's played a lot i think he's played too many minutes given some of our competition has been down and maybe you need it to to win you know some of these games but uh yeah i i, I started raising the red flag about that in november yeah, he's actually he's playing less minutes this year than he played last year. Last year, he played 83% of the minutes. This year, he's playing 80. I'll say the other thing, you know, and, and maybe this contributes to, you know, a bad possession here or there. I thought there were several possessions tonight where he had position early and he didn't get the ball. You know, guys were hesitant. Again, they won't dribble to find a passing angle. Like if it's not there right when they're standing, they just pass it on. And you can see him deflate a little bit when it's like, get me the ball. And works hard just, to get the I feel position. Like he wants the ball. Yeah, and sometimes we get it in, but I just feel like we're not aggressive enough early in a possession. Just get it down to him. Let him do work. Let the defense collapse. He's pretty good at finding the open guy, and I think sometimes that can deflate him a little bit. It doesn't last as long as it used to in seasons past, but I think that can be part of it where it, it may seem like he's tired as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it, was, you know, it was one of those. He put up numbers, did some good things, but you also need a little bit more from your star because yeah. in the stretches where Indiana wasn't good, like it started the, he didn't the take second over. half, he was just watching rebounds go by, you know, on the Iowa end. So fair to expect a little bit more from him. <coughs> um, and let's see, it is time now for the Hoosier Hustle Award sponsored by our friends at Evansville Security Services. The Hoosier Real Hustle. 
Based in the hometown of IU legend Calvert Cheney, Evansville Security Services provides off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana. Remember, prevention cannot be measured, so let Evansville Security Services help you prevent a bad outcome today. Go to EvansvilleSecurityServices.com to learn more. That's EvansvilleSecurityServices.com. Andy, why don't you lead us off with the Hoosier Hustle Award as well? I mean, seriously, nobody wanted to give the game ball and you throw this to me. I have no idea who to give this to. <laughs> I got an answer. If you need. Good. Go ahead, Ryan. Okay. Uh, I was going to give it to Miller Cop. I thought he was actually having a pretty good game before he left, and it looked like he did something to his shoulder in sort of a scrum in the middle. Uh, I thought he chased on defense pretty well. Uh, he w- he didn't really have to worry about the, the the drive, and so he was just guarding on the perimeter. Same with Parker Stewart. I thought they both looked better defensively, which is amazing in an 83-point game where you give up 83 points. I thought the two of them weren't the problem. Um, I thought the the middle of the defense, and I thought that the the point guard position was was really the problem. They let Toussaint, you know, sort of ruin them uh, off the dribble, and that opened things up. But I thought, and, and obviously all the points off of turnovers. But I thought Cop uh, played a pretty good game. He started out, hit a couple shots early, hit those two technical free throws. We need to find a way to get him to the line more because he's such a weapon from the free throw line. And um, I thought he with was the second unit. Yeah, and I, well, I thought I thought he had some, you know, just some really good energy tonight and moved pretty well defensively. And if you know, in a game where a lot of guys missed out on hustle, you know, I, I thought that he was he was pretty good. I think you could give this to him or Parker for the way that they defended, uh, considering you know, and you have to obviously grade on a curve given their deficiencies in that area. But I thought he I thought he played pretty well. I thought it was one of his better games at IU. Yeah, it's a good one, Coach. Who gets your hustle? Pats. You can't pass. <laughs> Just get a pass. The Man. body language was bad. The effort uh, defensively, I thought, was was not good. 20-some turnovers. I, I guess you can give it to the team for hustling back on defense following massive turnovers. They didn't really, though, Coach. Uh, so I, I, I will just say I'll second. I, I don't have anyone. I'll second Miller Cop. Right. I, um, I, I just don't think tonight was a hustle night. I thought there was a lot of lackadaisical play. Okay. Who's your yeah, hustle award to our YouTube channel for hosting not one but two post game shows? We had an episode of doing the work after the women beat Nebraska, so that's that's in there for consideration. Yeah. Andy, uh, only other guy I'd throw out would be Galloway, although I think the three turnovers, yeah, he struggled um, a little. Tonight. Don't help, but he, you know, he was minus thirteen for the game, plus minus, but did hit, step out and hit a couple threes, which is a. Yeah. Hopefully a positive sign uh, yeah, for the I future. I know you mentioned that earlier, shot, but uh, shot looks way better, by the way. But yeah, shouldn't I mean, have cut his hair. Shouldn't have cut his hair. Changed all the mojo. He came back with two great games, cut his hair, and now look at us. I'll say that about Galloway, though. If he doesn't hit those two threes, his stat line is a lot less impressive. It's four points, three turnovers. You know what I mean? But he did hit those two threes. So hopefully that's a pattern. Yeah, because they're going to leave him open, by the way. I don't know if you noticed tonight. They left him wide open. And there were a couple of times he caught the ball and was just like, well, I'll drive right at them and see what happens. You know, and it's like they're giving you 10 feet. Trey, even if you're a terrible three-point shooter, you got to take that. I mean, look, the thing about Trey Galloway is even in a game where you don't play well, you can always count on him for hustle. That's one of the reasons why he yeah. plays. And I actually thought late in the game, when Indiana was just kind of looking down in the dumps, his activity on offense like spurred a couple possessions. You know, he had that really nice drive down the baseline that ended up leading to a bucket. You know, he made a shot. I think either Cop or Galloway are, are reasonable choices. I'll, I guess I'll side with with Ryan on this one and go with Miller Cop because um, I did think he he played pretty well. And I think look. I think Miller Cop has a, a bigger role to play on this team than what we've seen. And maybe this is a lingering question that we can talk about. If Indiana's going to win 
big road games, you need to be able to rely on the guys who have been there and done that. Those are the teams who win road games in the Big Ten. Now, Miller Cop hasn't experienced a ton of success at Northwestern, but he's been in these arenas, he's made shots, he's played in these games. And I just think, you know, and he's shown this year that when things have been going wrong, he's been a guy who has stepped up and said, look, I'll go make a couple shots and get this going. Did it against St. John's, has done it in some other games. And he doesn't hurt you. Ever. No, no, and I think Indiana's got to find a way to get him more involved. Yeah, but you're, you know, but you're put him on their yes. worst player. Like it's, you know, it's but tonight was a night given again, who Iowa typically plays at that spot that he could could get by. I would say, and this I thought is tonight all, even in in some cases was a night you could have thought about playing him at the four, especially toward the end where you really yeah. needed buckets and you need to get shooters on the floor. You know, race had struggled a little bit handling the ball. Like that was a, a chance to get him out there that I thought was 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 odd just to get his shooting on the court. But by that point, he I mean he he didn't make a shot in the second. He only took one shot in the second half. But you know, a lot of a lot of his damage he did pretty early. But this is also an argument for letting him play some against the second units. The guys he's going to have to defend aren't as good, and he can be your offensive guy in there. So I just think I think Parker Stewart needs more shots. We've talked about that. You know, the two of them together, I don't think they accentuate each other. But split them up, and I think if you can give Miller Cop more opportunities, he's a guy he he can handle more than five shots in a game, you yeah. know. And I think if, if you're going to get more tonight, they didn't. Yeah, and if you're going to win these games on the Big Ten, you know, those three or four minutes in the first half where you're just giving possessions away offensively, if Miller Cop is out there, one or two of those possessions is probably you're probably at least getting a good shot. Two yeah. two things that's very good, Jared. One, it relieves pressure on your post who are getting heavy pressure and double teams and everything. Um, but tonight. They were four of nine from three, those two, Parker um, and Miller. They were six of 12 from the field. The point guards were uh, 0 for five from three and three and 12 from the field. And what you've seen is people are locking up on shooters and, and daring the point guards to shoot. Minnesota did that, and Rob made them pay. X had a good job going to the rim. But they are wildly inconsistent. So at some point, when the point guards aren't playing very well, then you need to go to your bag of tricks and – have some sets for your shooters. Um, you're, you guys are absolutely right. You need, you need to run more plays for your best scores. Yes. Yeah, and, and as people are saying, yes, cop gives up stuff. He's not great defensively. He's going to give up rebounds. That's why if he's going to be on your roster, you have to maximize his offensive output and put him yes. in a position yes. to succeed offensively, exactly. which he will do what better on the is- second unit. I would bet that, like, I don't think the starting lineup's going to change. I think Cop and, and Stewart will both be out there. But at four minutes, you can take Cop out. Yeah, yeah, at four minutes, you can take Cop out and bring him back in with that second unit. I mean, you know, put Galloway in, put whoever, you know, Tamar, whatever, and then bring him back with that second unit to spread the floor a little bit better. But I think that they're still going to start because they want the most veteran guys out there. I think that's really what Woodson is is erring towards, is putting the most veteran guys out there. Uh, and also, you know, you look at the balance on paper and you're like two shooters, your two best players on the inside and your best point guard. It makes sense that that's your starting lineup. That doesn't mean they have to play together all the time. You can close with them. You can cl- figure out who or you take the either Parker or cop whoever's not playing well and whoever on the roster is playing better you put them in with your closing lineup whether that's rob or it's you know galloway or whoever you can mix that up uh but i agree i think that you need to start playing the shooters with different people to open up the floor a little bit because that second unit doesn't cover itself in glory from beyond the three-point line um i see some people we 
we need to stop because now they're talking about the suits over here in the chat. But uh, Woody not wearing a suit. But P Bulldog definitely with the quote of the night. He says, "Clothes matter." I haven't lost a pickup game since I ditched the pants. Nobody wants to box me out. I'm I'm not wearing pants right now. It's you, you guys. <laughs> I might be. You guys would never know. <sighs> um, last call. <clears throat> well, let's look ahead real Coach quick. Coach is done. I know. Coach is ready hey, to go. It's, it's, I get it's it. late for us uh, Eastern time zoners here. Um, and I so have to quick. go into school tomorrow and do e-learning. Oh, I have to report fuck. to the building to do e-learning tomorrow at 7.30. So I need to get some rest. You do. Uh, so look, Monday, Indiana plays at Nebraska. I think losing this game places a ton of emphasis on that. You know, look, no matter what, Thursday when Purdue comes to town, Assembly Hall is going to be rocking. But I feel like we missed a real opportunity. There's two big home games. If you can go get these two winnable road games, you've won four in a row. And now now you get an Assembly Hall that is not just excited, but there's a difference between an Assembly Hall that is just jazzed up for a big game and confident. Like, there's a different kind of buzz, you know? And I think what we're going to see now... this deflated the, the balloon. Yes. Yeah. Those two road games, really, you kind of put Penn State in the rear view. Now you've brought all that back with this. And so you got to go beat Nebraska. I mean, that's just imperative. You got to go beat Nebraska. But that, to me, is part of the missed opportunity tonight. You know, it was a winnable road game, and you had an opportunity to really, really build some momentum for the biggest regular season game uh, so far for Indiana. Didn't get that. You know, fine. Got to go win that game at Nebraska on Monday. Here's Here's the thing, Jared. Every game Indiana has played so far, they should have won. Every single game, they should. There's been no blowouts. There's been no game where you're just like, ah, well, you know, maybe the St. John's game that we actually did win. That's 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 fair. That's fair. That game lasts three minutes longer. St. John's wins it, but no. But you look at it; they should have won all of these games. And the fact that the four that they didn't win were the road games, and they were the most, by far, the most disappointing performances. It's it's. I mean, that's you got to win the games that you have a chance to win. You know what I mean? Like you cannot not close these games. You've got to take those wins, especially in the big 10 where you can get them. You lose to Syracuse in double overtime. All right, fine. What, you know, like it, it, whatever crazy atmosphere playing at the carrier dome, all that stuff in the big 10, the three road games, they should have won each of them and they flopped in each of them. Yep. All right. Well, we will be here Monday after the Nebraska game. Remember, it's an early tip. It's 6 o'clock Eastern on the Big Ten Network, not the normal tip time of 7 o'clock. We'll be here with the show. Uh, and then, of course, Thursday night after the uh, after the Purdue game. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember to check out our friends at Home Field Apparel. Use the promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, at checkout to get 15% off your first order. And remember... February 5th, we will be in town for the Illinois game. We're doing a live event at Switchyard uh, with Galen Clavio. We'll have special guests there. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff. That's going to be a fun, fun event. So if you're going to be in Bloomington, come check us out at Switchyard after the Illinois game uh, for just a fun time, hanging out together, talking IU basketball, or depending on how the game goes, talking about something else. But <laughs> we'll be there hanging out. That's game. They should win it. That's, that's right. That is what matters. All right, gentlemen, it is time for last call. Let's go. Let's base this one on time zone. Uh, so, Andy, why don't you go first? I mean, I don't know. There's too much more to say than what we've uh, we've said already. I think it was a, a huge wasted opportunity to get momentum, as you just said. We talked about this after the uh, after the Minnesota game. That it, it just seemed like if you can get this game and get get Nebraska, then you come home for three at home um, with the Purdue game starting that off. Just 
really felt like they were starting to turn a corner and uh, tonight suggests that that is not the case at all. And, and I think it's one thing to, you know, go on the road and lose life on the road in the big 10 is difficult, but to have so many just self-inflicted wounds be such a huge part of the loss, I think is what's most disappointing and things that ultimately seemed preventable, whether that be from a coach or a player standpoint um, that could have made the outcome different than what it ended up being uh, was disappointing. And for as far as we want to think this team has, has, has come from where they may have been, you know, in previous years, um, this was a stark reminder that might not be as far as you think or as far as you hope. And um, so we'll see how they bounce back. Definitely a wildly disappointing uh, performance on a variety of levels. And, uh, and, and, and again, a game that it feels like was, was right there for the taking, but uh, just absolutely refused to take it. So quote from him. Evan, Evan Potter in the chat, any Damon Bailey's or Greg Graham's out there to play guard for us. I'll take an Isaiah Thomas or Quinn Buckner. Yes. Please give me one of the 10 best guards in school history to play for this team. I, I would, I would much more enjoy watching us play with one of those guys leading the way. That would be, that would be phenomenal. Um, <laughs> Because right now X and Rob just aren't aren't in that class. Um, coach, last call. Uh, yeah, I had a chance to talk uh, to Dustin Dopirek uh, at the Minnesota game before the game, and and he he made some really good comments that there there are several one dimensional players on this team. I'm sure we've maybe said that on on the, many of the shows, uh, and it and it shows on nights like this that when when you don't do well in the one dimension that you're supposed to do well and the other dimensions don't show up, then you have a loss. It, it just comes down to, I thought it was bad execution by the players. Uh, a lot of mistakes being made by the players. And I think some bad decisions by the coaching staff. And you can't do that in the big 10 because no matter what I think of Fran McCaffrey and other coaches uh, in the big 10, this is, it's loaded with really solid coaches who are going to take advantage of a team's weaknesses and, and play to their strengths. And that's ultimately what happened tonight. And, and Andy's right. It, it ends up in a lost opportunity. And, and the positive, if you want to take a positive, the four road losses all are familiar. Uh, they look uh, the same. But the other thing that they have the same is very, very close. Uh, and, and maybe if you want to look at the half glass half full, that's where you look is we're not getting blown out by 20. Uh, we're not out of it by the 14-minute the mark of the second half. Uh, so there, maybe once we get one, it snowballs. That's got to be the hope uh, it, going forward is get it figured out, win at Nebraska, come home, pull off the upset, and then we're, we're ready to roll. I think that's why we get on here and we talk about all these changes. It really feels like some changes around the margins will matter in some of these close road games. I fully agree with you, Coach. Ryan, <clears throat> last call. Yeah, I mean, this is just another, you know, it was an embarrassing second half. I mean, it really was, given what this team's capable of, given what it's shown it was capable of, uh, especially defensively against Ohio State, you know, and, and how they closed the game against Minnesota. I mean, this team's better than this, and it just doesn't play that way on the road. And 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 again, there are uh, a lot of, of things you can point to with players making boneheaded mistakes and all of that. But the other thing is, the coaching staff has to figure out why this team is Jekyll and Hyde, home and home and road, and 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 figure out what it is. And maybe maybe it's a substitution. Maybe it's a certain guy needs to be played more. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's the pregame speeches or the halftime speeches or whatever. Whatever it is, there's something. There's a disconnect, 
and, and it's not just the typical it's tough to play on the road in the Big Ten because there are stretches of these games where they should be winning the game, where, where you look at it and you're like, oh, they're going to win this one. They, they, they're, they're much better than the other team. And, and you look at the numbers tonight and see that Bohanna didn't have a good game and Keegan Murray barely played. And, and, and all of the things line up against Iowa and for Indiana, and they still couldn't get it done. You look at that Wisconsin game. They looked, they blew the doors off Wisconsin in the first half. We're up, I think, 23 at one point, and then just completely flopped and wilted in the second half. They went to Penn State, a team that it hadn't played in three weeks and just did not show toughness or mental toughness at all. That's a problem. This team played soft tonight. It got out-hustled. It got outworked by Iowa. Not, not Purdue, not Michigan State, Iowa. That's a problem, and this this needs to get solved because this team may make in the tournament if it continues to do this on the road. They need to win road games. They got to win a couple of road games, and and they're not doing it. And, and so something needs to change. My son, who is about to turn one next month and still has not experienced an Indiana road victory in his young life, is out there crying. I'm not sure why. That's not a good sign. Maybe it's because of this game. Maybe he was watching the show, uh, and he's very disappointed. Um yeah, all I'll say is, you know, to uh, to kind of steal a quote from Dennis Green, this team right now is who we thought they were, you know, until further notice. They are a bubble team that's pretty good at home uh, and just hasn't done what they need to do to figure out how to win on the road. If they can do that, they've got a chance to be a lot better. We all see the potential. But until further notice, I was exchanging texts before the game with a member of the IU media, and he said, what's your confidence level? And I was like... You know, I'm actually feeling pretty good. I'm at a seven or eight. I think we're going to play well tonight. He was like, I'm at a four. I was like, why? He's like, this team needs to show it to me on the road before I'll believe it. He was right. Until further notice, it was not Ryan. (laughs) No, I'm saying same, same. Yeah, but I mean, that's, it's true. You know, we want to get excited after a couple of wins, but we got to see it from this team on the road because until, until further notice, they are a very different team in terms of their ability to weather challenges for the role players to step up and play well. And that's not, you know, that's not an unusual thing. It just means that, you know, the rebuild certainly this season is going to take a little bit longer than we hoped, or maybe even than is possible. You know, I think we all see that there's more potential here, but they've got to start playing better on the road if they're going to unlock it. And hopefully that starts Monday because that's a game Indiana absolutely has to win. All right, that'll do it. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music that you hear on the show. And special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logo. And as always, we thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you on Monday night after IU Nebraska. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. That's a guy who knew how to close out a game in Iowa City. Just saying. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All right, y'all. Thanks for being here. Uh, I'm a game time decision for Monday. I have to do a bunch of moving stuff that day, so I don't know what time I'll be done. All right. Well, we'll figure that out. Let me go see what's going on out here with yeah, go do screaming, it. Screaming children. Tend to the important yeah, they're not, stuff. They're not replaying the game anywhere, are they? <laughs> <laughs> they may be. Good night, everybody. Make sure that All didn't right. restart on your TV. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See you guys later. See you all. Later.